Hey everybody, again, my name is Rondell Trevino. I am an associate pastor at Hope Community Church, also the founder and director of the Immigration Coalition. I'm just so thankful and honored to be preaching uh, for, for uh, Peter in place of Peter to, today. And right now he's actually at our church preaching and uh, replacing me. So it's really cool swap uh, this morning. Uh, this morning I want to preach from the subject, a picture of God's kingdom, a picture from God's kingdom. Uh, open up your Bibles, uh, your, your laptops or your devices and meet with me in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 through 9. And let me pray, and then we'll jump into it. Father God, we're so thankful for your grace, thankful for your mercy. Help us to apply your word, to learn your word this morning, so that we may live your word in our daily lives. We love you so much. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. So in 1945, Life magazine issued its latest edition. On the cover of this photograph, you saw a man by the name of George Mendonza, a United States sailor, embracing a woman named Greta Friedman with a kiss in Times Square. In the background of this photograph, you saw soldiers smiling. The foreground of this photograph, you saw fellow soldiers embracing other soldiers. You also saw in the background civilians embracing other civilians. And in the background of this photo, you even saw soldiers hugging other civilians and even soldiers with their fists in the air in excitement. What's fascinating about this photograph is upon further investigation, it was revealed that for the most part, everyone embracing one another were not long lost friends, but were complete and utter strangers. This very photograph is one of the most iconic and famous of the 20th century. So one must ask, why did this photograph make it on the front of Life magazine in 1945? Why is it one of the most iconic pictures? Well, this photograph was taking, taken on April 14, 1945, the very day Japan surrendered to end World War II. In other words, the reason why this photo would, uh, made it to the front of Life magazine and is one, one of the most iconic and famous of the 20th century is because after all of the ceaseless news of death and loss, killing and hate, it finally gave the people of America a picture of this, harmony and peace. And in the midst of our world today, filled with famine, sin, poverty, bullying, depression, violence, pain, worry, cancer, COVID-19, political unrest, suffering, anxiety, stress, racism, xenophobia, and the list goes on, I believe we as Christians long for a picture of harmony and peace like this right now. Even on a personal level, all of us in here, we, we have struggles, we, we have issues we're facing and we're, we're, or we're going to face. Some of us in, uh, in, in watching this uh, live stream possibly are struggling with deeper issues that no one knows but God. And we're asking the Lord in so much unrest and so much division in our society, when will the pain and suffering end God? When will it end? Because we long for a picture of harmony and peace, where there's no more tears, suffering, or pain. And I'm here to tell you that by God's amazing grace, the beautiful thing about His Word, is there is a picture of harmony and peace that will come one day, given in our passage this morning. God, through the prophet Isaiah, gives us this, uh, this amazing metaphorical picture of what the kingdom of God will look like when His people, you and I, his, his followers, with, through our Savior Jesus Christ, when He comes back one day, He will make all things new. 
Did you not? Did, let me remind you at one time, one day, Jesus will come, come down and make all things new. No more pain, no more suffering. And he will usher in God's amazing kingdom and it will be full of peace and harmony. Well, one must ask in this text, when will this happen, right? We don't know specifically when. We know he's coming soon, though. And what's fascinating to understand is because we know Jesus will come back one day soon to wipe every tear, to usher in God's kingdom. Here's a question I want us to answer this morning. What will this picture of God's kingdom be like? When Jesus comes back one day and he ushers in God's kingdom, what will it be like? I want to answer uh, with, with three points real quick. First, God's kingdom will be peaceful. Peaceful, verse 6. Isaiah eleven six 6 says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion, and the fattened calf together, and the little child shall lead them. It's fascinating. The wolf will dwell with the lamb, the leopard with the young goat, the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and the young child will be hanging out with them? We know in our day today, this could not be. So here in verse 6, naturally the wolf, we understand, it, it, it would if they were together, it would eat the lamb. I said earlier, it, it would turn the lamb into lamb chops. <laughs> However, in God's kingdom, the wolf dwells with the lamb. This word dwell is the word ger, which translates to mean uh, both dwell as a stranger and dependent. In other words, the wolf and lamb will be strangers, yet will also be dependent upon one another. Although they will be radically different, the wolf and lamb will dwell in peace and need one another. In other words, in God's kingdom, when he ushers this in through Jesus Christ, the Anglican will dwell with the Pentecostal Christian. The conservative Christian will dwell with the progressive Christian. The strong will dwell with the weak. The, the rich will dwell with the poor. The privileged will dwell with the vulnerable. In other words, we as Christians who have different views, economic backgrounds, political views, and theological positions will dwell with one another and need one another in God's kingdom. What a message for our divisive world today. And so what this means in our day is we as Christians must seek to advance God's kingdom today as we wait for Jesus by helping to establish this kind of peace, to establish shalom and taking what is broken and restoring it to wholeness in our relationships and in our world. Because here's the thing, sometimes for some Christians, our problem is we can be a wolf who seeks to overtake and devour those we disagree with. The problem today is not so much with, with, uh, with our cultures, but with the socioeconomic and political positions we see today. There are far too many Christians who choose to be a wolf toward others when it comes to political or theological views. Sometimes Christians can attack those on the other side as if they're not created in God's image worthy of respect, love, and dignity. We can be a wolf at times. But on the other side, some of us can also be lambs to the point where we run away at first sight of danger or conflict. When danger or conflict arises, we run away as fast as we can. We can be lambs where we, where we accuse whoever we see as oppressor. 
Or we can be lambs where we are not courageous enough to speak out on issues God cares about. Therefore, those of us who lean toward taking the position of a lamb must fight to become more courageous and assertive for the sake of God's kingdom. To speak up when there is injustice and brokenness in the world. If you're someone who leans toward being a wolf, we need to heed to being humble and be more like a lamb. If you're someone who wrestles with being more like a lamb, we need to be assertive enough to speak up and have courage. Following his 1994 inauguration as South Africa's president, Nelson Mandela immediately set out to change the fiber of the country that was racially divided. Mandela commenced first to change within his office by merging the previous all-white protection unit with all with an all-black body uh, with all his all-black bodyguards, and so Mandela forced. Rory, the presidential team leader of the racially motivated all-white police to work alongside Mandela's head bodyguard, Jason, and a trained rebel who viciously fought the white, all-white government and men just like Rory. These two men were forced to work together. However, over time, while being forced to work together, both Rory and Jason built a lasting friendship that would last until their final breaths on earth. And what transpired between them over time as they built this sincere friendship helped build a new foundation of racial unity between whites and blacks in South Africa. You see, in order to bring about peace and to take racism in South Africa from being broken to being restored where blacks and whites could become friends, both Rory and Jason had to fight not to lean toward being a wolf toward one another, but humble toward one another. And for those of us who lean toward being a wolf, we, are we willing to fight to become humble to advance God's kingdom here on earth? For those who lean toward being a lamb, are we willing to be more courageous and assertive to advance God's kingdom? Are we willing to come together to bring about shalom and peace? Peaceful. Second, God's kingdom will be multi-ethnic. Verse 6 and 7. It says, The cow and the bear shall graze, and their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Verse 6 and 7 are fascinating picture of these animals from radically different species hanging out together in fellowship and community. We know this is not going on today, but in God's kingdom, when Jesus comes back, how these animals once lived will change drastically. In other words, God's kingdom will consist of Christian Latinos, whites, Asians, Portuguese, Polish, Irish, Africans, black lives, Italians, Latin Americans, and the list goes on. Heaven will be a multi-ethnic family. I often say this, if you don't, uh, if you don't love different ethnicities, then you're really going to dislike heaven. One of my favorite preachers, Gabe Saguero, says this about God's kingdom. Heaven is where we all get along, but we are not the same. God loves the diverse beauty he has created, and we see that diversity continue in his kingdom. God is not colorblind. He is glorified through his people's unity and diversity. God's kingdom, friends, will consist of different nations, tribes, peoples, and languages. The problem today is the most segregated hour in Christian America is the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday morning. 
We have racial divisions in our church today, capital C Church, around our country and world. Our friendship circles and dinner tables at home often consist of those who only look like us, think like us, and even vote like us. We have been okay with leopards hanging out with only leopards, lambs only with lambs, goats with goats, and lions with lions. But I'm here to tell you that, the God, that God is greater and more beautiful, and he wants us to pursue a greater picture of his kingdom, a multi-ethnic kingdom right now. Therefore, as we wait for this kingdom to be fulfilled, friends, we do not stand on the sidelines, but rather we get in the game. But here's what's important, the last part of verse 7. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. In other words, in order to advance God's kingdom to become a multi-ethnic family today, we must be willing to change our diets spiritually. The lion used to eat the ox, but now he eats straw. In other words, he's a vegetarian. To help God's kingdom become multi-anthic, we must be willing to change our diet spiritually by fellowshipping and building community with different ethnicities and backgrounds. And changing our diet means this, it's going to be uncomfortable. But that's the beauty of the church. We may not look alike. We may not even vote alike. We may not even agree on all these issues. But you know what unifies us? Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus, we work hard to build relationships with people who don't look like us, act like us, think like us, or vote like us. Multi-ethnic. Thirdly, and finally, God's kingdom will be painless. Verse 8 and 9. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. It's fascinating. The child, the nursing child, shall play over the hole of the cobra. The weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den, but they will not hurt or destroy. Here in verse 8 and 9, we see a powerful picture. God's kingdom will be so painless that a nursing child will play over the hole of a cobra and nothing will happen. In other words, one day when Jesus comes back to usher in God's kingdom, all the suffering and pain that we see today, all the suffering and pain that we're facing internally and spiritually in our own lives will not exist. He will wipe every tear from your eye. He will wipe all the injustice, all the uh, brokenness, all the division, all the hate will be destroyed when Jesus comes back. This is a beautiful picture. COVID-19 will not exist when Jesus comes back. Depression will be no more. Cancer will be no more. The issues you wrestle with that only God knows will be no more because when Jesus comes back, everything will be made new. Therefore, as we wait for Jesus to bring about God's painless kingdom, we need to apply one important thing to our lives. Do not be afraid. 365 times in scripture, God says, fear not, do not worry, or do not be afraid. One for each day of the year. 
Deuteronomy 31.8 says, He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Isaiah 40.43.1 says, Don't fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Do not fear. Friends, do not be afraid because we are fully known and deeply loved by God through Jesus Christ. We are His. What a picture of God's miraculous and amazing kingdom. And it will happen one day. As we close this morning, this picture of God's kingdom, the prophet Isaiah gives us, that would be peaceful, multi-ethnic, and painless, is almost too good to be true. But the reason we can believe this is because there was something else that occurred 2,000 years ago that was also too good to be true. Too, too good to be true, on a rugged cross when Jesus laid down his life. In the South Georgia Seas, an island in the southern Atlantic Ocean, king penguins go out into the ocean to hunt food to feed their young. It's a long and strenuous journey, and when a king penguin makes it to the shores with food, his goal is to find his baby penguin so he can feed it. Well, in order to find his baby penguin, he must search through a group of 500 plus thousand penguins. In the midst of 500,000 plus penguins, there's extremely loud noise from penguins walking and calling and chirping at one another. It's loud. Yet the king penguin calls his baby penguin by calling as loud as he can. And even though his baby penguin could be a mile or two or even three miles away, in the midst of all this noise, the baby penguin still recognizes his father's voice and is able to be reunited with him. Friends, because of Jesus' death on a cross and resurrection 2,000 years ago, at one point in our lives, in the midst of the loud noise we call sin that defined us, He called us, each by name, at different points in time. And because His love was so great, so attractive, so irresistible, we could do nothing else but recognize His voice and run to Him in repentance and faith, no matter how far we are away from Him. This gospel... At one time, that saved us from being lost to now being found. This gospel, this good news compels us to believe and to see and know that God's kingdom here in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 through 9, will one day be peaceful, multi-ethnic, and painless. It's going to happen. So we look to Jesus together. And we look to that kingdom one day where Jesus will usher in a painless, a multi-ethnic and peaceful kingdom. Let's hold on together, church, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray. So, Lord, we come to you and we are honored and privileged to be your children. Thank you for your word. That we can look at your word in Isaiah 11 in the midst of so much divisiveness and brokenness that we see in our lives today, in our world today, we know we're also one day closer to you being here with us. And we look forward to that day where you come and you usher in God's kingdom that will be peaceful, multi-ethnic, and painless. And we ask that the gospel of Jesus Christ will motivate us to believe these truths Oh, Lord, we're so broken, we're so lost, yet you still 
love us. Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when I got right and when I stopped sinning, you died for us. No, no, no. While I was broken in a pit of destruction, you died on the cross and redeemed us back into fellowship with you. Help us to believe this picture of your kingdom. In Jesus' precious name I pray. And everybody said, amen.